You're listening to The Nancy Gaines Show. The goal of this podcast is to help business owners be successful and gain the advantage. Nancy has helped some of today's top Fortune 500 companies across a wide spectrum of industries work through their toughest challenges. She can help you too. So if you can't find the solutions you need, there are no more books to read or workshops to attend. The Nancy Gaines Show can be the difference between your success and failure. And now your host, Nancy Gaines. Hi, this is Nancy Gaines, and welcome to the Nancy Gaines Show, where we provide actionable ideas for entrepreneurs to grow their business and be even more productive. The focus of today's podcast is all about how to create a high-performance culture in your company. And I'm super excited to have an amazing guest with me, Jason Troy. Let me tell you all about him. He's an executive coach who works with executives, entrepreneurs, and rising stars to maximize their leadership potential and performance. He also helps them build and execute their career blueprint. He's a best-selling author of Social Wealth, How to Guide on Building Extraordinary Business Relationships, which has sold more than 45,000 copies. He was a featured speaker at TEDx Wilmington in 2017, and he debuted his breakthrough team-building game, Cards Against Mundanity. Is that right, Mundanity? Yes. (laughs) That's a great word. Finally, he hosts his own podcast show, Executive Breakthroughs. He brings game-changing CEOs, entrepreneurs, and experts that share their breakthroughs and breakdowns. Welcome, Jason. Thanks for sharing part of your day. What else do you want to add to that introduction? That's a wonderful introduction. I think you've summed it up quite well. Yeah, great stuff. I'm excited to hear about this card game, so we will talk about that as well. So let's just kick off. You help people with their blind spots. What does a blind spot mean to you? So what happens is a great example is that I have a lot of wonderful clients that can give advice to other people and they can see their problems and see all their holes, but they can't see their own because we can't up close see the challenges and patterns that we have because our brain blocks them out. Because if not, we'd be overwhelmed with all the data and fears and other issues, issues associated with it. So that's the problem. So when we have past patterns and challenges that keep holding us back, we keep doing the same thing over and over again. And it's obvious to everyone else, but it's not to us and vice versa. Yeah, I didn't know there was actually a, that our body blocks us out. I just figured we couldn't see them. Kind of like when you're driving a car, you have blind spots. So, yeah. so truly our body blocks them out just to make room for other things? Right, and our brain does, because you'd just be overwhelmed if you could see everything that was happening to you at one time. And it's also a survival mechanism, right? Because our brains are set up to keep us surviving in life, not happy. That's a huge difference. So that's why when people have to understand it, that your brain's not out there seeking out necessarily the best path for you. It's seeking out the safest path. But the problem today is is that, you know, 99.9% of the things that you come in contact with are not going to physically kill you. But the challenge is our brain hasn't evolved, so it still sees those things as death, and they feel like death. For instance, maybe it's public speaking for someone, like you're scared to death to speak in public. Well, technically, you aren't going to die if you go on stage. And I guess if something insane happens, yes, but normally you're not. But our brains have not evolved to know the difference between actual death and feeling like death. 
That totally makes sense. So in your experience, have you seen maybe two or three recurring blind spots most people have? You know, it's all different with every person. That's the problem. And I think the challenge with the blind spots are is that they are the greatest things that hold us back personally and professionally, right? So when people come to me and they say, like, I have a leadership problem, right? I, I, I want to be a better leader. The issue really is not being a better leader. It's perhaps that mommy and daddy told you to shut up when you were growing up and you've lost your voice, right? Or you're in a family that is very non-emotional, so it's very hard for you to practice empathy and connect with other people or be vulnerable. Those are the real problems. But people can't self-identify, so they actually look at the problems in the wrong way, and they're looking at them also like a leaf on the tree and not the root, right? And the thing about it is, is that you can have great leaves, but the roots can be rotten. So you have to go in there and take a look at an internal perspective. And most people who do what I do don't not go from that direction because it's significantly harder to sit with people in massive levels of discomfort and be able to guide them forward through that path. And then, you know, you become a much better leader by doing that and not even necessarily attaining any other skill sets. That totally makes sense. So you brought up parents, and I saw on your website you said a lot of people have trauma before they even turn 10 years of age, and it impacts them in business. Can you share some examples of that? Sure. So I had one person I did um, a sales training with for managers, and what ultimately happened, we went through, was that she had her parents, her mom, and her grandmother would talk to her on the phone and call her back in high school and even college. This is slightly later, but it's the same, same thing. And they told her because her voice was squeaky um, and high pitched, and it still is that she'd never be successful. She would never get married. I mean, that she needed to change and do some other things. So the problem is, is that, you know, in a sales job in her thirties, she was doing well, but really had to force herself all the time to call people and get on the phone. And this in the back of her head was playing all the time. So it wasn't becoming a better salesperson. <clears throat> Excuse me. It was taking your power back and understanding that if you start sharing your story with other people and telling them why you're doing what you're doing, you'll inspire them and they'll inspire you. And by just telling that story to people, the reason that she got into sales now made her powerful and not the victim, but the victor. And then all the people wanted to buy things from her. And then she felt a lot more confident in her skill sets. And then, you know, it's off to the races and was just crushing it and has been doing it for like the last couple of years. That's awesome. Well, speaking of telling your story, you got a chance to do a TEDx talk. How did you get picked and what did you talk about? Well, when I did my TEDx, I came in with a couple of thought processes, which I don't think many people really do. One is a lot of the TEDx speeches are high-level speeches, and the problem with that is, is that that doesn't leave anyone with something that they can apply quickly, right? You have to then think about taking that speech and creating something else, you know, and, and the second part of this whole journey was just understanding how to, like, be successful in selecting TED, so that's a whole other story, but that's a part of a huge piece of the process. So when I was starting to research the talk, I wanted to find some compelling piece of research that I could build my talk around, not reverse engineer it the other way and come up with a theory. So I found this study 
by Arthur Aaron that he did in 1997. And he took 54 graduate students that were complete strangers, didn't know each other. And his theory was, I want to find a way to create friendships basically by snapping my fingers and make them to be deep connections that people feel very connected to um, as fast as possible. So he did some experiments, and one of them he did was he had them go back and forth and ask each other questions. And there were simple questions like, you know, what was your favorite summer job to more deeper questions that if you could pick one year of your life to do over, which one would it be and why? Well, after 45 minutes, and these are complete strangers, never met each other, never had any interactions. After 45 minutes, 30% of the people rated the relationship that they had just created as the closest relationship in their life. Wow. And they've replicated it. And remember, this is pre-social media. Internet's really not, you know, taking over our lives at that point. So that isn't even a part of the whole factor, right? And they've, you know, done this, he's done this dozens of times, and the, the numbers still stay the same. And I think that's pretty incredible um, that you can do that. And I think there's two reasons why that happens. One is we don't really ask each other these types of questions. And we don't really have in-depth conversations unless a crisis or something hits where these conversations come up. Second, you know, no one, everyone wants everyone else to be vulnerable, but no one wants to leave, right? And when you start being vulnerable with other people in whatever you say, you tell other people it's safe to share with you. And then you expedite conversations and you get to deep conversations instantaneously, right? The third thing is if someone's asking you a really personal question, even it could be a really good friend, our brain, because they're wired for survival, asks us the question, why is this person asking? What are they trying to get out of me? Is it something negative? Are they trying to find some faults, right? Well, when a card asks you that question, you don't think that because it's completely anonymous, right? No one's digging into anything. You're just having to read it and answer it. So if you can do that back and forth, you can create some pretty incredible things. So did you actually put it into a game that people can buy on Amazon? Yeah, so I, I did. I, I created the game Cards Against Mundanity, and I created a game so you could do it in groups, and you can download it for free and play it in any size organization that you have with your friends, with family. I mean, you can do it with anyone. And the results, I've done this dozens of times, and it's pretty um, amazing what can happen really quickly. And and it's basically a card game. You read a question, you answer it within like two minutes, and the next person goes. It's pretty simple. I mean, there's another game, you know, Cards Against Humanity, and people play that. Well, it's very similar to that. I mean, the questions are different, um, but you can apply it in any situation. And the reason that this works so well, and I just had one of my clients, actually someone who's booking my podcast, used it in their organization, and they, it, it's, it's made a dramatic difference and playing it in an hour and a half and how people feel about each other, they're working together, collaborating. And, and part of it is, is that when you share things with other people, it's em the empathy of the emotion, not the experience. Meaning that if someone shares something that they've been disappointed on in life, right, or they've been hurt or they've just had some tragedy of some kind or another, if you've had disappointment, hurt, or a tragedy, you can relate to that on an emotional level. And that is really important. And what this ultimately builds doing it in a group of people and why it's so effective with people is that it builds psychological safety. And that psychological safety is a fancy word for being vulnerable with a group, right? It's the ability to get to know people on a deeper level, 
to raise controversial ideas, to ask questions, and really just work better together in a group. And the reason this works so well is Google did a study over three years, and it's called Project Aristotle, and anyone can look it up. And the only thing that they found in common, and they hired outside researchers from the top schools to go in there and spend millions of dollars on it, the only thing that they found across the top 180 teams across Google that separated them out for the rest was not intelligence, was not background, was not like IQ tests, was not even EQ tests. It was psychological safety. And if that group either had it or not, was a determining factor on whether they were the highest performing team or not, which I think is pretty incredible because it basically tells you, I don't care if you come from the inner city or you come from the smallest town in Alaska, you can outperform someone who's gone to Harvard, Harvard, Stanford, Yale, and is in privileged background and has had all these experiences in the world because it's how you work in a group dynamic that will make or break you in a, in a business, right, in an individual setting, but also it's your own business, right? If you have a business and you have a group of people or a team, you want to create the most high-performing, you know, group, team, or company that you can. And, and how you do it is to get people to like each other and care about each other and know about each other on a deeper, more personal level. That is amazing. That is really, really amazing. So let me ask you, I had a chance to actually download your book before this interview and read through it, so it's a great book, by the way. You talk about introducing people, introducing two strangers, saying you guys should talk. Do you remember that part in yes. your book? Can yes. you share a little bit about how that ties into all this, the cards against mundanity? Yeah, mundanity. that wrong. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah, how does so, that all tie together? Because that's to definitely related, right? It, it, it's all related, right? So the, the one of the things, so introducing people to other people is the most powerful social tool that's out there. Everything else that anyone will tell you is a vast second because I've done this so many times and it works amazingly well. And there's a lot of reasons psychologically and, act, and physically that actually this works. But the essence of it is, is that when I was starting to go out in Dallas and meet people, I didn't know anyone, right? So essentially, I was like, how am I going to start meeting people faster? And I was like, well, what if I just start introducing strangers to other strangers? Because I didn't know them, and I could, I could connect them with other people. And the fact of the matter is, is when you ask people, do you want to have more friends in your life, you're going to get varied answers, right? So you'll get people saying yes. You get people saying, no, I'm really happy with the people in my life. I don't want to meet anyone, right? Anyone, I don't want to meet any new friends. But if you ask them, hey, I've got a great person you should meet, or there's a contact or anything else, would you be interested in meeting them? I've never had anyone say no. Because the fear of missing out, FOMO, is so high because you don't know what that person's going to bring that you're willing to meet them. So when I was going out to, like, charity events and other things that I was doing – I'd go up to a bar or, I mean, even getting food, and I'd stand, and there'd be a person on my right, and I would just say, hey, how's it going? You know, what brought you to the event? And it doesn't even matter what they say, right? The words coming out of the mouth could be like that Charlie Brown cartoon, like walk, walk, walk. You don't even care. And what I did then is there's, you know, someone either on my left-hand side, right, or really close by, and I would just either grab them on the arm or they might be looking at me and I might just basically move my fingers across my body and cross them 
and just point to both of them. And I'd say, hey, you, you both should meet each other. I bet you'd get along great. Or I might say, hey, it's a great, you know, great event. You know, do you guys know each other, right? Or something like that. And it doesn't really even matter what it is. They'll start talking. And all you have to do is maybe ask a question or say anything, and they'll go at it, and they'll start having it. And I started then to think to myself, well, what if I added in three or four people? And I did, and I didn't have to do anything, right? And the great thing about it is that you are now the social hub and everyone else is a spoke because they, how they met is through you. And then people just take it from there. And whether they speak for 15 seconds or 15 minutes, it really doesn't matter, right? Because um, the odds are if you do it enough, you're going to connect enough people. And then the other part of it is, is that when you walk around the room, you're meeting the people for the second time. And that's extremely powerful because now they feel like they already know you. And on top of it, because you introduce them to someone else, right? And the only people typically that introduce people to other people are either really good friends, someone you're close to, or maybe you're part of an organization and you know people and then they might do that. But strangers don't do that. So psychologically, you're putting yourself in someone's inner circle and they'll start introducing to all their friends and everyone. So pretty much now, whoever that person came with, right, or knows, they'll introduce you to at that function and event. So now you don't have to do any work, and they're introducing you to all these people. And it's way simpler and easier, and they're introducing you in a powerful place because they're going to say something nice about you because you led with giving. And, again, the only people lead with giving are people that are very close to you, right? So this all works amazingly well. I've had this happen. I've done this millions of times. I've had clients do this. I had everyone. The worst thing that's ever happened I've ever heard is someone just kind of ignored it and said hi and walked away. No one's ever said any rude thing or done anything bad or, you know, anything like that. That's the worst case scenario. So you can imagine what the best case scenario could be for people. I've had people get married. I've had people run marathons. I've had people with businesses together. I've had people do amazing things just out of randomly introducing them, and I didn't know either one. That is awesome. Well, that was just one of the great tips in your book. What are some of the other ones that people can use to – well, what does social wealth mean to you? Well, social wealth is really understanding that the greatest wealth that you have are your interactions with other people and those relationships, and they will make or break you if you don't invest in yourself and don't invest in other people. And, the, and the really, when you think about relationships, what's so powerful about them is that it's not just the people that you know, but it's the relationships those people have with other people, which are basically indirect relationships. And it's your ability to tap into those indirect relationships that will really dramatically impact your life, right, and the things that you're doing. So you've got, to net, you've got to be able to cultivate relationships with the people in your life that you're meeting, right, on a firsthand basis, but then you also need to figure out how to tap into their relationships because that's something that can really help you and then vice versa, right? I mean, you have a relationships as well that they don't know about and how can you help other people? And when you start doing that, you open up a world of opportunity that you might never have. And the other part of this thing, which I think is also really important, is that if, you know, and I ask people this question all the time, if you had a choice to pick out your best friend for the rest of your life, and let's assume you didn't have one, and there were 100 people you could choose from or five, what, what room would you go into? And everyone says 100. And I say, well, then why are you acting like there's only five people in your life? 
Because <laughs> ultimately it's a numbers game, right? Because we end up settling over time with people that are not necessarily suited well for us because we've just had them in our life for a long time. And we don't really know what to do next, right? But people grow, evolve, and change. And what's good for us 5, 10, 15 years ago, either personally or professionally, may not be good for us now. But most people don't have social circles that are very big or know how to build them, so they stay with the same people out of default, right? But successful people, that's not how they operate, right? Either people that are very fulfilled in their life or very successful or both. They operate out of abundance and they know that the people in their life today, they're likely that probably a lot of them 5, 10, 15 years aren't going to be there because they're going to grow, evolve, and change, and most people are not. So how did you sell over 45,000 copies of that book? That's huge. Just, just word of mouth and talking to people and just, you know, I mean, I think the book's pretty simple, and I try to make it pretty short, and the tips in there are really actionable that people, will, if they did them, um, they would get a lot of results out of it quickly. And there's not a lot of fluff, and I didn't put in tons of stories because the, thought, the stories are just evidence to try to convince you I know what I'm talking about. And if that's the case, well, then that's too bad. But, I don't, but I'd rather have a 150-page book that someone can get through quickly and implement it than a 300-page book to prove I know what I'm doing. Right. Right? And that's the difference because that's marketing and that versus actually being helpful. Awesome. Well, let me ask the fun question everybody gets on this show. So, Jason, if you had one more hour in your day, 25 hours every day, how would you spend that extra hour? Wow. You know, I would probably rotate it between contacting more of my friends and spending with it. I would probably spend part of it doing some reading or podcasts or something in order to grow. And then the next thing is I'm starting to do a lot more running, so I'd probably – run. Are you training for a race? I ran my first half marathon last uh, two weekends ago here in the Dallas Marathon, and uh, I just did it a, a great – well, this is actually a productivity goal. So six weeks ago, I was I – don't, I don't even remember what I was doing, but I just remember – I just had this thought going in my head. Every fall, I start working. I have a you know, good workout schedule. I'm going to the gym, a workout class five days a week. But by the end of December, because of all the things that are going on, I only go like two times. And then what happens in January is I'm in there like six days a week. And I thought to myself, this is like being on a hamster wheel, right? I need to break this cycle, and I need to do it really fast, and I need to figure out something that I could come up with in 15 minutes or less, or I'll never do it. So I thought about the only goal that came to my head that seemed reasonable and something that I could do would be to run a half marathon. So I, I then texted 20 of my friends and said, by you know, mid-February, I'm going to run a half marathon. And, and I, I had no idea how, right? I just made the commitment, and now I had to do it because all these people knew, right? So there I was like, yes, I've got a goal, right, that I have to hit by mid-February. So the first thing I said was I need to find some sort of coach, and I found a great running coach out of Houston who's incredible, and it was a virtual coach, and it cost me nothing. It was like 125 bucks a month for him to do my tr- complete training schedule, um, and everything else and answer any questions on the limit that I want. Then I joined a running group here, and how I did that was I asked a bunch of people who they thought the best running group was with the best runners and people that were social and that had been doing it for a while, and that's the one I joined. And then I emailed 20 people that 
I, I knew based on taking a look at information and posts in some groups um, that had been running, you know, 20 or so miles within under seven-minute pace, right? And I emailed them five questions on, like, what would you suggest to do, preventing injuries, whatever, and all 20 people emailed me back. So now I have this wealth of information, and I started running, and I really only started running outside um, the last three weeks. And, me, and when I started this, I was only running three to four miles um, at a clip, right? I mean, I never had run really more than that before. So this is pretty daunting. And I only ran three weeks outside before the actual race itself, right? And then I ended up doing it in an hour and 51 minutes, which is an 8.30 pace, which is pretty incredible or fast if you look at what people do and how long they're training in order to do this and how quickly. So if you have a productivity tip, it's pick a goal, get a coach, get support, and ask smart people, and that is the model for mastery. And then you can basically take any learning curve and start to flatten it, no matter what it is. That's awesome. And the half marathon is a very good challenge. I mean, it's far enough that you have to train for it, and they always have fun parties afterwards. So I've, that's my favorite race when I do run. I don't run anymore because it's really hard here in Colorado with no air and all yes. these hills. Yes. But uh, I lived in Dallas, so you've got some nice flat plays. Good for you. That yes. is amazing. So, Jason, where, if people would like to work more closely with you, how can they connect with you? Sure. They can go to my website, and it's uh, jasontreu.com. That's jasontreu.com. And you can uh, find out my coaching services for groups, organizations, people, and get off to the races. And, you know, the game, you can go to Cards Against Mundanity, and you'll have the link. Um, dot com and you can download it and there's instructions on how to play it in any group um, and it's free and uh, it'll make a really big impact and you can play the game you know in any group from it'll take between somewhere between 45 and 90 minutes depending on the size that's actually really good for my Toastmasters table topics it's where you get up and you have to impromptu speak I bet I can get some oh, questions yeah. out of there because you only have to answer for a minute to two minutes yes yeah that's so, the easy one to do it on so yep for sure. Is there anything else that you'd like to add that I didn't even think to ask you? No, you know, I think that I just think in my, I think the valuable lesson to learn in life is that, you know, it, most of the problems and challenges you're having are from patterns that are no longer serving you and things that are so ingrained. So change comes from the inside out. And that's where you need to start. So if you're having a problem, Stop looking externally for the answer and start looking internally. And although that is a difficult process, you'll end up finding the answer and moving ahead substantially when you do. And you'll make exponential change versus making incremental. What a great way to round up the show. And I just logged into your website, that's, and I'm taking your game because I think that's really, really cool. So people, go check that out. It looks like it's going to be an amazing way to really up your culture with your friends and in your company. So super. Jason, thanks yes. so much for taking time to be on the show today. Lots of great tips and valuable information. Listeners, I just added some rapid results days on my calendar for Q1. This is where you and I work together in just one day to accelerate your business instead of coaching over weeks or months. Go to nancygaines.com slash rapid results. If you love this show, please subscribe. 
rate, and review on iTunes. Until next time, go out and gain the advantage. You've been listening to The Nancy Gaines Show, where you can gain the advantage. To schedule a VIP strategy day or speed consulting session with Nancy, connect with her on her website, nancygaines.com. That's Nancy, G-A-I-N-E-S, dot com. On Twitter, Nancy L. Gaines. And on LinkedIn, Nancy Gaines. Be sure to check back on Nancy's website for new episodes. Until next time, you've been listening to The Nancy Gaines Show. Go out and gain the advantage.